Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. For a long time, the Mountain Goats were just a one-man band. The singer and songwriter John Darnielle started writing songs at home in the 90s, then released them on cassette tape or 7-inch vinyl. Now the Mountain Goats have other members. They record their albums in a proper studio, tour the world, and have built up a very loyal fan base. Among them's the writer and podcaster Joseph Fink, whose long-running audio series Welcome to Night Vale imagines life in the very strange desert town of Night Vale through news reports, announcements and ads on the local radio station. Putting Fink and Darnell, two quirky creators, together to mull over music, life, the creative process and a Mountain Goats album song by song doesn't exactly sound like a recipe for mainstream success. But their show, I Only Listen to the Mountain Goats, has been called one of the best podcasts of 2018, and it's won over lots of listeners. In the first season, fanboy Fink geeked out about the Mountain Goats' 2002 album, All Hail West Texas, with Darnell giving insights into how he wrote these songs and his experiences. And in most episodes, they were joined by a musical guest to do a cover version of the song they were talking about. You don't have to be a Mountain Goats fan to enjoy it and the two have an honest, easy rapport as they open up about their lives and how they work. Season 2 started recently and was all recorded last year while Darnia was still putting together the Mountain Goat's latest album, In League With Dragons. So the pair riff about the whole process of releasing music into the world while this is actually happening. Here's some of an episode where they're joined by another podcaster, PJ Vote, one of the hosts of Gimlet's tech show, Reply All. Everything's fresh, we just recorded the album a month ago. You know, um, and and so it is what I'm thinking about. You know, and so that's nice. Whereas by the time the album gets released, often you're overthinking about the record. When you audit mixes, uh, that's a long process, right? We you record for eight or ten days or whatever, and you get rough mixes. If you're smart, you don't listen to them very much. You check them out to see what you did. You maybe play them for your family or whatever, but you do not sit there and go, "Oh, man, that sounds good." Because then you will get married to your rough mix. And rough mixes are just bringing up the levels very quickly. Put it, mixing is a science and an art, right? And, uh, and there's a lot of choices you can make in mix. Very aggressive mixers will say, you know, that guitar sounds good, but it's not appropriate in this song, and take it out, right? Um, do all kinds of things in mix. Oh, mixing that would very unhappy. Oh, yeah, well, it depends on... <laughs> then don't be a major label artist, because often you, you lose your, your control over mix. And there's some mixers, like, who are very, very... You know, they're artists, and, and they have their own... They take what you did, and they take it to the next level, right? But you're usually not there for that. You can always go back to them and say, no, I want it to sound more like the rough. But then they're going to say, well, you listen to the rough a lot. You send me the parts, and then I'm the person... There's a sense in which your rough mix, the thing you did in the studio, is just building, you know, carving the beams from the tree to build the house. And then the mixer is the one who puts the house together, Yeah. right? And then the mastering person is the one who shows the world that it's actually in 3D, that it exists in 3D space. So we're waiting now for mixes, uh, which we'll get in a few weeks. And uh, uh, I have, but I'm not listening that much to the roughs because I know better. If you get married to the roughs, you really you're denying yourself 
the real joy of letting the mixer do their work. But you will get married to those roasts. If you listen to them, you go, yeah, we did good. I hear everything there. And the mixer has never heard it before often when they get it. And they listen to it and they go, yeah, no, this kind of cool. I would like to hear a little plate reverb on that voice, right? And they'll do it, right? And, uh, and it will change a lot from the mix. And if you have listened to the first one too much, it's just like if I played you yesterday, but, there was, but the voice was in an echo chamber, you'd say, no, 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 there's no echo chamber on yesterday. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so... When do you hear it? Like, what's the point where not like what's the point where you hear it most actually clearly, and you don't hear what's wrong with it, and you don't hear what you wish it was, but you actually hear it? Um, I don't know because it, it, the whole process is so strange that you, you never really fully get used to it. I mean, for me, recording and everything is so distanced from the, the writing, which I'm the only one who's there for that, right? Yeah. It's like, and so, so there's all these stages to occupy that I think you learn to think of them all as their own places. Right, and you stop thinking about the relationship they bear to one another. They're all different stations along the along the process. I don't know if that answers that question. Not yet. No. I okay. guess what I'm wondering is like, like I feel like sometimes it's like you have an idea. I mean, I don't, I don't understand anything about making music, and and like music is always the thing that I compare what we're doing to. And one of the people I work with is a musician, and he's always like, "That's not. That's not music. There's works. no relationship <laughs> at all here." Um, but he, but like there's like a core of a thing that you are either trying to express or you feel like you're excavating or like there's something you're trying to sketch. And there's periods where, at least for me, it's like we have it. And then like sometimes that's early in the process and a lot of things are going to have to happen and like you'll check back in later to see if it's still there. Well, it changes as you go, right? It's not the the impulse. It, I, I don't think there's a platonic form of what I'm trying to do, right? Your relationship to it changes as it changes. The first song on this record uh, was a very jaunty traveling Wilburys style thing. Uh-huh. But in its final form, it became this dirge, right? That's what we did in the studio. It was a lark. It just started to happen. A guy was playing an organ. He was getting ready to set up to play it. And I started singing along. I was actually in an echo chamber and, uh, and it sounded very pretty and good, right? Well, the song went to a completely, there's a very dramatically different place from, from the demo that I had sent around and from the one we had rehearsed, but it was right for the song. I've been doing this a long time, so I was able to be open to that and go, oh, guess what happened? It's, it's, it's as though the song had a will of its own or just chance and being around other people took it someplace else. Younger songwriters generally can't tolerate that at all, and I was one of them. It's like, no, I wrote it and it sounds like this. But that's actually a much, to me, a much more immature relationship to your own work. Your own work has something in it, right, that can survive any number of permutations, right? That, that it doesn't have to be your vision. I'm not into trying to impose my vision on the song. I want the song to go where it wants to go. Uh, and so, so yeah, it's, it, it, it only gels when it's done. And even then, it's only a form. It kind of only exists live in another sense. Recording is such a bizarre artificial thing. Yeah. That makes sense to me. It feels like it's nice. It feels like it takes some of the pressure off of you too. If you think there's some, some of it doesn't exist inside of you. Yeah, but it only gets. It takes twenty years to get that point. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I used to get mixes back and say we put reverb on the vocal of it. No, I don't have reverb on my vocals. I hate it. I still struggle with it, but because uh, everybody likes reverb, it makes things a little spacier. But to me, it always sounds pretentious. You know? Huh. So, is it like was there a point where you broke, or was it just like a slow? Wearing down. Well, I wanted to challenge myself to hear the things that other people instinctively want. You know, I wanted to, to challenge myself to listen differently. I'm, uh, that's one way that I stay fresh. It's like I want to always interrogate my own assumptions and needs. And lo- like, for example, doubling vocals. I always have had an allergy to hearing my own vocal doubled. 
plenty of stuff you're hearing, you don't even know there's a doubled vocal on there, but there is, and it beefs up the tone of the vocal. And people used to just automatically do a version with a doubled vocal, and I'd be like, do not under any circumstances play me my own vocal double. If I hear it, I will throw you off the session, right? And now, then, like two albums ago, I did one doubled on purpose to see if I could handle it. And I liked it. It's like, that's how it sounds to me now. It sounds warm to me. And I think... Which for, song was that? That was um, Unmasked on Beat the Champ. And I tracked it that way at home. I was like, double, do a double, see what happens. And before that, I think in the pre-production version of Hair Match, we tried that too. That was something my dad taught me, you know, because my dad recorded and uh, he taught me very early on. He's like, always double your vocals. Sounds see, good. Rules like that. Are, <laughs> that's what so many people think. Is like, and I, 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 I've seen producers go, okay, I won't do that for you. Because <laughs> I would hear it. I would have that allergic reaction to it. But for me, that's that's one thing that doing the recording is about. Is like, what are the things that you're shooting down automatically, right? And can you warm up to them if people think they're good ideas and see what you think? Some of season two of I Only Listen to the Mountain Goats, a production of Night Vale Presents with Merge Records. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.